Last Sunday night, I spoke to our young people, and I was not able to to uh, bring all of the message that I wanted to bring to the young people. I talked to you last Sunday evening about some conditions of prayer and such, and but never really got into it. I want to get into it a little bit more tonight. I feel that this is what the Lord would have me to do. I would uh, would like to say that that uh, this this past week, one of our supervisors in our Christian school had turned into him a large number of, of rock tapes and records and such. Young people are feeling convicted over the things of the world. And I'm not saying that to embarrass anybody. We're not, we're not wanting to embarrass anybody unless you've told. And, of course, you've told the words out already, so this is not news. But... Uh, but I would like to say, you know, we're not trying to embarrass anybody. We 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 commend you that 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 God has spoken to you and that your character is of such that you would you would give serious thought to to what you're listening to and and so forth. Basically, when you see an individual, he is a sum total of what he eats. Um just works that way and his attitude is usually the sum total of his fellowship and what he reads and uh, we are interested in the whole person interested in the body the soul and the spirit if you constantly take in junk you'll be junk just works that way if you take in healthy things you'll be healthy it's just a principle of life and we need to need to understand it. But we do do commend our young people for the stand that they have made. I feel that there are some who have not yet committed their lives to the Lord the way that they should. I just want to encourage you. The Lord encourages you to do that. And whatever we can do to help you along life's road and prevent some heartache that certainly will come your way as a result of wayward living, please take the liberty to call on us. We want to help you in any way we can. We really do. Also, I'd like to say, before we read our scripture, we've got two or three people in the church that are building homes, and I found out that a good number of people have been helping uh, voluntarily uh, for these families. Brother Pizer, then of course my son Roy and the Larsons. I just really appreciate the uh, help that you've been given, giving these uh, couples. Uh, and and on the other hand, I'd like to say that I I highly commend the couples who are building their own homes. Uh, number one, it takes a whole lot of courage to do that. And number two, it takes a lot more backbone than it does courage. <laughs> it takes a lot of muscle. And I talked with Roy, and I said, now, Roy, you've never built a home before. Now, I've been in building for a good share of my life, and I know kind of the ins and outs of part of it. But I said, son, you're not knowing building. I want to forewarn you, you will be absolutely sick of that job before you finish it. <clears throat> Well, he hasn't started yet, and he's sick already. 
but <laughs> it just works that way. You just can't believe. When you start doing everything, I mean, the landscaping, I mean, everything, there, there's a lot of work involved, a lot of work involved. So I do appreciate all of you who are helping. I'm not just saying that because Roy is my son. And I'm not saying it to get more people out there because I figure that what you don't do, I might have to do. That's not why I'm saying that. But, but, but I, uh, well, maybe a little bit, but no, no, not really. Uh, there's just a whole lot. And, and, and uh, you see, one of these days you may build, be building your house. And it's always good to, good to have somebody to help you. You know, you cannot add to the proverb that says, in order to have friends, one must make himself friendly. Somebody asked me, he said, what do you do when you're lonely and nobody? All you have to do to have friends is be friendly. That is what the Bible says. Now, that's it. In fact, if you are congenial enough and friendly enough, you'll probably have more company than what you really want. And more calls than what you want. And by the way, don't anybody get alarmed if you call me at home and can't get me. Our phone is out of order. I understand you're getting a big business, busy signal. We cannot call out. And nobody can call in. And I don't know why. But the phone was dead here at the church this past week. I mean, you didn't get anything here for a couple of days. So when, well, when you called, it was just ringing. But we didn't hear it ring. And we couldn't call out. So the phone is dead. And in view of the fact that the phone is dead at our house and nobody can call in, i tell you what I'd like to do. I would like to... <laughs> now just listen to me. This only involves a few people. I'd like to not have a Christian school staff meeting tomorrow. So come at 12 o'clock. Okay? So... <clears throat> The intent of it is really to take advantage of something that's bad. See, Christianity is the only religion in the world that teaches from every bad thing can come something good. I just want to help the Lord out a little bit. <clears throat> so much for all that. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Would you do that? Thank you, God. Lord, we love you. Jesus, God, we worship you. We praise you, Lord. God, you are so good, Lord, and so wonderful. Praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. A very, very familiar scripture is found in verse 13 of chapter 4 of the book of Philippians. Philippians 4.13 Christians everywhere have used this scripture. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things. Let's say that together. All things. What was the choir singing about tonight? All right. God can just do whatever your need is. God can actually meet that need. Now, I just feel in the Holy Ghost that I'm speaking to some people here tonight that really would like for God to come in. And you'd like for God to rescue you. You'd like for God to answer your prayers. You'd like for God to come down and, and, and give you some type of indication. Praise God. When the way gets tough and rugged 
and rough. And it seems like that there is no answer. And it seems like that God does not ever answer your prayer. I just want to encourage you that the scripture says God can do all things. God bless you. You may be seated. So we're just going to tack on a little title tonight and call it The Sky's the Limit. Now, I just believe, as we said last Thursday evening when we talked about about the devil and talked about the the angels, I believe that uh, surrounding this place uh, and, and coming to the assistance of any person who loves the Lord, uh, is all kinds of help. There are ministering spirits, the Bible tells us. But when Jesus was on the cross, ministering spirits visited him. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a real lonely place. I mean, like lost a loved one or, or went through some major crises in your life. We've got people here prior to their coming to God and even some sense that they've gone through divorces and such. These things can be so traumatic. They can, they can crush you. They can, they can just wipe you out with one blow almost. And, and then you begin to even wonder, you know, why you're alive and, and why you ever got yourself in such an entanglement. Why all of this to, to come my way? And, and sometimes you wonder about God's ability to, to hear you or maybe he doesn't hear you. You know, and you got big question marks all in your mind. Now, I would say this. I think that the man who would stand behind this pulpit and say that I have never once doubted I think he's not truthful. Now, your your general overall view of God's ability, uh, it's always before you, and you always realize God is real, and God is alive, and you've got a good experience in the Lord. But, But, you know, because you wear this robe of flesh, and because you're on this side of eternity, and we are limited as... As human beings, because we have not yet received full redemption, we have been redeemed as far as the blood is concerned. The inner man has been made new. We've been born again. We've been washed clean. But full redemption does not take place until we take on immortality. And while we are living inside of this corruptible body, there is a struggle that goes on inside of us quite often. Romans 6 explains a new birth. Romans 7 explains the struggle. Romans 8 explains the reason why that we need to live in the Spirit and allow the inner man to have dominion over the robe of flesh that we wear, and the struggles that we go through. I mean, isn't it true that a lot of you can have some type of situation that just, you know, it's like a sledgehammer against your head, and and you don't even know if you're coming or going. 
You ever had things like that to happen? Oh, I've had, I've had things like that to happen. And I, I know what it's like to be caught right between a rock and a hard place, so to speak. I, I just know what it's like. I, I know what it's like to not be able to hardly make ends meet and then all of a sudden get pneumonia, flat on my back in bed, can't work, don't have any insurance to go, go to the hospital or pay the doctor bill or anything. And uh, obligations to meet. You know, I, I, would, I would not want you to think that, that, that life on any level, whether you're living for God or not, is an easy thing. It's not. When Job said, man is born of woman a few days and full of sorrow or trouble. I'm here to tell you one of the most successful men that's ever lived as far as riches is concerned could tell you that even amidst all of the blessings that God can give you, there are times when you've just got to wake up to realize that life is not easy. It's got problems. And I, I'm not... Uh, I'm not going to. I'm not wanting to be negative tonight because I think I have a very positive subject. But, but on the other hand, I I think that we got to, we've got to recognize. Now hear me carefully, and please hear me through this before you pass judgment on what I'm saying. And don't anybody get up and leave now, until I get past this one negative thing. God does not always answer prayer. Now, maybe, maybe nobody's ever told you that. You know, we say, well, God always answers prayer. Well, if that's true, then how come you don't always get your prayers answered? Do we have anybody here that can stand up and say, I, I, uh, everything I've ever prayed for, I've always gotten? Now, come on. And, and you see, I think it would destroy your faith rather than build it up if I stood up here and said, every time you pray, God just comes and answers. Well, does he? No, he doesn't always answer prayer. And I want to deal with that aspect here just for a moment. And, and, and show you in the Scripture why I feel that God does not always answer prayer. Now, I'd like for you to turn to the book of James. We do a lot of preaching uh, or instructing from the book of James. The, the book of James is a book that will challenge you in almost every area of your living. It's the book of James that gives us great encouragement relative to prayer warriors. The Bible tells us if there be any sick among you. Now this is in the 5th chapter. Uh, verse 14. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And God shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, 
If you look in verse 7, well, let's re read verse 16. Let's don't uh, skip over one. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. Now this is speaking of Elijah. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Now what he's saying, he's encouraging people to just believe that, that God does answer prayer. You may say, well, Brother Grant, you just said he didn't. No, I didn't say he didn't. I said he doesn't always. There is a difference. But what he's pointing out here in the closing of, of his epistle, his general epistle James is doing, he's saying, well, please understand, however, that you don't have to be a superman to get answers. That's what he's saying when he said he was a man of like passions as we are. That just simply means that, hey, this man was fashioned just like we are. Anything special about him? Well, you may say, oh, but he was a great man. He was a prophet of fire. He was a man that called down fire from heaven to consume his sacrifice on Mount Carmel. That's true, but see what the scripture is saying is, hey, he was no different from us. Just like me and you. That's what the scriptures say. So when you look at the prophets of the Old Testament, you know, don't just be so awe-stricken and taken back uh, to the point that you say, well, oh yeah, but if I was a man like he was. No, you are a man like he. See? You're just like this man. He possessed no supernatural powers outside of God. And if you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, remember this. To be baptized simply means that you are filled up and running over. And if you're baptized with the Holy Ghost and you keep praying in the Holy Ghost and keep your life and experience renewed, in other words, you stay filled up with the Holy Ghost. Now, if you're just running over with God's presence all the time, could I ask you a question here then? Can you get any more God than that? Can you? I mean, if I take this glass, which is almost filled up, and I fill it up, I reach a point in which I can't get any more in it. Now, you couldn't possibly put any more water in this glass than, than what I have here. Now, you may pour more on top of what's in there, but you can't get any more in there. Why? Because it's filled. And when the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, that's speaking of a baptism of the Holy Ghost. You just can't get any more in there than that. But you see, when they were filled, they kept on praying. And the Holy Ghost kept coming. And that means, simply means they were baptized. It was running over. Now, you can't get any more of God than that. That's as much as you can get. And you see... Christians today possess everything that they need to possess as far as God is concerned to, to, to turn the world upside down. Now we're going to back up a little bit and we're going to talk about this negative aspect of it. God does not always answer prayer. 
So we start at James, the fourth chapter, and start reading in verse 1. From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Now what he's saying is that, you know, sometimes in a church there can, there, there can, wars can break out. I mean, they really can. Wars between people. Personalities become involved and maybe an, uh, a misunderstanding and, and people can start to, to, to feel this and they, they begin to strive or pull or, or tug at one another. He said, now, he said, don't, uh, don't let that happen. Now, he goes on to explain, even the lusts that war in your members. Now, when he says your members, he's actually not talking about your members, that is, each person being a member, but he's talking about the members of your own body. And he talks about lusts in your own members. Now, what he's saying is that, you, you see, for you to have peace in your body... Something inside must regulate what goes on. Sometimes you can have a war going on inside of you. As I spoke to our young people the other night, I made reference to this. You can have so many struggles inside of you. Now all of us have struggles, but you see, the thing about it is, when you were born again, the old man, that's the deeds of the old man, the corrupt man that's inside, was buried in baptism. He was crucified in repentance, buried in baptism, and a new man arose. Now when I crawled out of the tank, I still looked like John Grant. But I hope I didn't act like John Grant. Why? Because, you see, I wasn't happy with what John Grant was. And so the Lord came and made me new from the inside out. Now, in our stewardship classes, as many, many times, we have talked to you about the importance of government. Government is essential to any institution or any function because if you don't have government, you can't have peace. And government in the scripture and peace go hand in hand. Isaiah 9 and 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Now that's speaking of Jesus. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now in Isaiah 9 verse 7, Isaiah overlooks this business of everlasting Father, the mighty God. But this is what he says. And of his government and peace there shall be no end. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. You see, the world will give you peace. The world says, well, I'll tell you what. You know, if you want to be real peaceful tonight, drink this. Speaking of something that's, that's shoved across the counter in a, in a bar. See? But all of those affect the external man. 
And a lot of people say, well, if you want peace with your neighbors, build a privacy fence. See, everything's external. But Jesus said, now that only lasts for a season. And it's gone. But he said, the peace that I give unto you, he said, it's there all the time. Why? Because it's not predicated upon any external thing. It starts inside. And when he says, even the lust that war in your members, what he's saying is, you need to reach the place as a Christian in which you have peace inside of you. Settle in your mind what you want to do for God. Make sure that you want to serve God. Get your priorities straight. In other words, really the only thing hard about living for God is the matter that rests between your two ears. And once you get it all made up in here as to what you want to do, living for God is not that difficult. But if you don't have your mind made up, or you don't have the ability to make up your mind. And there's confusion inside of you. What he's saying is, basically what I get out of this, he said, this is the reason why that you have so many wars in the church, because you've got too many wars in yourself. And every man that's at peace with himself is a peacemaker. And is not interested in schisms and such that divide the body. So when people become involved in, in all of these conflicts, for the most part it's because that they have problems inside of them. Get your own government right inside. Let Christ be the head of your, your temple. Let the mind that was in Christ be in you. Get everything right here. And everybody get everything right, and then we'll have everything right in the church. That's basically what he's saying. Now let's follow on down. You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Now what he's saying here is, you know, you're, you're questing for things. You're wanting this and you're wanting that. And listen, the world is full of desires. I want. I want, I will. It seems like children are born in the world reaching out for something. Give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. And it gets a hold of all of us. We understand the more you get, however, the more you want. And he said, and, and what is happening, you're reaching out for this and you're reaching out for that, even the point... That some of your killing, now I don't know that he's talking about physical killing, probably not. You can actually commit murder in your heart against your brother by hating your brother. You can commit adultery in your heart by lusting after someone. He said, in all of this, then, he said, what? He said, you don't really gain anything. There's no gain by that. You don't obtain anything. You fight in war, and you have not because you ask not. Now, I'm sure he wasn't saying you don't open your mouth and say, give me that or give me this. And yet when you ask, he said you receive not. 
Now that simply means that sometimes you ask God for things that you don't get. So God doesn't always answer prayer. Why, he said, because you ask amiss. Now amiss means evilly. That you may consume it upon your lust. Now notice what he said. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Now Paul spoke of the enemies of the cross in the book of Philippians. Some of you have just gone through this in your Christian stewardship classes. Let's just go back, though, to Philippians, and let's take a look at it here. I, I think we're going to cover some ground here that will help some of you to solve some of the unanswered questions that you have in your own mind. Philippians, the third chapter, verse <clears throat> 17. Brethren... Be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. You know, we need good examples before us. We really do. And I know the Bible says that we shouldn't compare ourselves with each other. But I also know the Scripture tells us that we are living epistles. And it is, it is, it is, a, it is a great comfort to know that right here in our church... Now, you don't have to go any other place. You don't have to go to Janesville or Beloit or some of those other churches. They have good people. That's great. But it's a comfort to know that right here in our own church, we have godly examples of good christian charactered men. I can start pointing out right here in this church, People that I know beyond a shadow of doubt. That you can't find people to surpass their, their character any place. I'm talking about good Christian men. And then as far as the ladies are concerned, I can point to Christian character ladies in this assembly that will not. And they are not surpassed any place in the world in our fellowship. You find it right here in this assembly. You don't have to look any other place. Quite often, and I haven't done this for a while, so I think I'll do it. Quite often I tell the, the new ones coming in, and some of you are new and you have not yet really got your feet on the ground. You're doing good, but it doesn't mean that you reach a place in which uh, you know that, that you're real stable. I'd like for all of our young ministers to stand if they would. Sight will stand up for the down. I say young ministers, we're all young. <clears throat> now I want our elders to stand, the elders of our church. Now certainly this doesn't stop here. But now if you men are wanting an example to live by, Here's your example. Now we have other examples in the church too. So this is not an exclusive body right here. Now I want their wives to stand. 
If you have any question about Christian character, if you've got any question, Sister Grant, are you married to a minister? Would you stand? If, if you have any question, <clears throat> I said we're all young, hon. <clears throat> if you have any question about Christian living, about the do's and don'ts of Christianity, and, and this comes up real frequently in a new person's mind. Now these are the people that, that serve as good examples. You can't go wrong by following Sister Crowder, Sister Rossing, Sister Thomas, and these others. Now please understand, many are seated now that are not standing whose examples are just as great as these. See, praise God. But sometimes when you come in and you're new, you know, you don't know who's who. And just as sure as the, these churches back in the days of the apostles had some problems, so does Calvary Gospel and all the other apostolic churches that I know of. I'd, I'd just be a liar if I stood here and say, hey, you know what? Uh, Everybody in this church is perfect. No, we're not all perfect. You may be seated. Thank you. But if you're looking for the perfect church, don't join it. Because you would spoil it. <laughs> Leave it perfect. Stay out of it, you know. All right. So he's talking about examples. Verse 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Is it possible that people who have been buried in his name, filled with his spirit, can become an enemy of the thing that saved them? Yeah, that's what he's saying. You can be. There's no doubt about it. Now notice what he says. Verse 19. Whose end is destruction... He's very quick to tell you what will happen if you become an enemy of the cross. Now he said, whose God is their belly. Now belly here means innermost being. And that simply means that, as far as I can understand this, by studying the Greek and the other translation of the Bible, that their sole purpose in life is just self-gratification. Just give me what I want. Whatever makes me feel good. After all, bless God, I'm a Christian. I deserve the best. Ever heard that? <clears throat> At the most, we're unprofitable servants, the Bible says. Okay, the second thing, whose glory is in their shame. Now, glory is in here, as it's written here, is making reference to bragging. You know, like Paul says, if I have anything to glory about, let it be in the cross and such and not anything that I've done. And shame here means sin. Now that simply means that they brag about the things they do that's wrong. I mean, they reach a place in which they feel they're beyond the law of God. Why? I'm Holy Ghost filled. I'm a child of the King. God sent me as a personal ambassador to straighten everybody out. I pastored a woman one time who had the gift of discernment. She said... 
I told her, I said, well, now, wait a minute. According to 1 Corinthians 12, it's not called the gift of discernment. It's called discerning of spirits. See, and you're, you're discerning things that has nothing to do with discerning of spirits. She said, well, I got the gift of discernment. Well, the truth of the matter is she had a fault-finding spirit. That's all she had, just a fault-finding spirit. And she bragged over the fact that she caught everybody that lied and she caught everybody that had an act of hypocrisy. And, and you know, it was just, well, it was bad. The truth of the matter is she didn't guard herself very well. And she was always making some blunders that you wouldn't believe. At the same time, she didn't brag about that. She bragged about her own sin, put everybody else down. Now, young people, listen to me very carefully. You have to watch because sometimes young people, because they kind of follow in packs as we talked about, when one prays through, they all pray through. When one backslides, they all backslide. It's easy to get together and brag about the things you do that's wrong when Pastor Grant's not looking or when Mom's not looking. Don't be guilty of that because Paul says when you start bragging about the things that you do that's wrong, he said, you better watch out because the end of such a life is destruction. And then thirdly, who mind earthly things. That just simply means that, well, <clears throat> the Lord's blessed me with a new car. He's blessed me with a new home. He's blessed me with, oh, you can't believe the things the Lord's blessed me with. We just dedicated a church last evening up in Eau Claire. You know why you dedicate things to God? You have any idea? You may say, oh, so that we'll just constantly love it. No. You dedicate it so you will not love it. Brother Grant, you may actually mean, yes, that's exactly what I'm, I say, you turn it over to God as the rightful owner so that the thing doesn't own you. So that it never comes and steals your heart away. Why did you dedicate yourself at the altar? So that the stinking self-love that you have for yourself, that's meant to destroy yourself, is then thrown at the feet of the cross. As you surrender you all to the Lord, you say, I dedicate my life to you, Lord. Why? So that I will not rise up as Satan did, thinking that I am something. And we dedicate our buildings to God so that he's the rightful owner. So that we don't always look toward the building that's made out of wood and, and brick and stone and stuff. Listen, this all belonged to God while it was out in the wild. Before it was ever chopped down and made it into, into lumber and brought in here. It's all God's. And we want God to recognize that it's his. And we'll never fall in love with a building. And God help us if we ever lose the beautiful worship that we have and the evangelistic fervor that we have. Listen, I'll come in here and rip up your red carpet and put sawdust in here. And I'll take the padded pews out and put boards to sit on. I'm more concerned about a move of God than I am a plush facility. And that's what God wants. For he does not dwell in tabernacles made with hands of men. While I'm very appreciative of the home that I have, it's dedicated to God. God help me never to fall in love with my home to the point that it steals my heart away. You see, this is what he's saying when, when he's saying that sometimes, you know, you pray evilly, um, 
amiss, you know. You, you pray for self-glory and self-gain and such. And, 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 and you got these things harbored inside of you. Lust, adultery, and fighting, and wars, and such. Now, we, if, we, if you started reading verse 3, uh, chapter 3, pardon me, chapter 3, and read all the way down, especially when you get to verse 13, the, the picture becomes clear and clear and clear and clear as to why some prayers are not answered. You see, in Psalm 66, 18, the psalmist said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me! So some prayers are not answered and God doesn't want to answer them. And He just says in the Word, I don't answer all prayers. Why? Because you see, if you're a friend with the world, you're at enmity with God. So why come around and ask me for all these things when you're, when you're wanting to live like the devil? If you recognize the devil as your God, get your substance from him. Get your blessings from him. Folks, I feel this tonight. I really feel this. Because, you know, quite often I... You, you, here, here's a typical uh, response. How are you doing today? Not too good. Oh. <clears throat> well, if anything bad can happen, it always happens to me. Now, I have been told that by several people recently. Now, that upsets me. And I've even questioned some of them. Well, you mean, uh, are you saying that that uh, nothing good ever happens to you? Not too many good things. And and that's just the way it is, you see. Uh, huh. I, I guess, you know, uh, being a Christian is just kind of hard. And <laughs> Wait a minute. Now, don't blame your Christianity for your rotten attitude. A lot of good things happen to you. Number one, you got to come to church and sit by a brother and sister in church, didn't you? I mean, isn't that great? When we're walking around shaking hands and say, Oh, I sure love you, Brother Crowder. I love you. I love you. I love you. He says, I love you. You go away feeling about ten foot high. Hallelujah. Yeah. Didn't say nothing good ever happens. I guess we need to resort back to the song. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. You know, that's what you have to do every now and then. But you see, what happens a lot of times, because we hide little things in the corners of our heart, and we're not really honest. No, we're not really honest. And I tell people this, you know, holiness, living, and such is not a hardship when you're honest. But listen... When you become dishonest, it becomes a real thorn in your flesh. But when you're honest, just honest, take a look at yourself. You know, all of us are the same. There's not a person in this building that's not a beautiful person. I really mean that. 
Oh, there may be some things about you that come out every now and then. When I seek a beauty, I'm not talking about natural beauty. That is a poor way to start judging people. You get your priorities all mixed up. You got these wars going on inside and skirmishes with each other. Now, if you're a visitor here, please, under, I don't know of any fighting going on. But the best time to talk about these things is while we're not fighting. See? So what he says now, if you're, if you're praying, and, the, and, and, and uh, he said, you know, <clears throat> if you're praying with all these things in your heart, and you get the feeling, well, how come I don't ever get to do this? How come, that, how come the Lord doesn't come and bless me? And you become envious of someone that's being blessed. He said, you know, really, it might be God isn't answering your prayer. You know, while you're praying to the Lord, maybe, maybe he just turned a deaf ear. And when he turns a deaf ear, now he, he, he certainly knows, but that just simply means he's ignoring you. He says, okay, just go ahead. <clears throat> so if you've been praying a long time for something, the answer doesn't come. I suggest the first thing you do is search your heart. You know, it's like when you're sick. The first thing you do when you get sick, you repent. Now, that does not mean you have sinned. But you see, the Bible never, never, never frowns upon a righteous man repenting. Even Jesus Christ himself, when he prayed, when they said, teach us how to pray, he, he, this is what the Master prayed, the man who never sinned himself. There was never any guile found in his mouth. His deeds were always pure. When he prayed, he said, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You see, the truth of the matter, the secret to living above sin is that you keep your mind and your heart on the Lord and you keep repenting and understanding the danger that exists in you because of not yet having put on immortality. And you put things under before they actually rise up. It's when I preach the gospel to others that I might become a castaway. And so, <clears throat> sometimes prayers are not answered. Just simply not answered. Now, we had a film here that we showed in the Christian school and it was dealing with uh, wildlife and such. And I'm not for sure if it just described it or if it actually showed the picture of it. But, but uh, at any rate, they made reference to uh, the habits of some of the creatures of God. And then they went into the, to the, the fish and such. And in a 55-gallon aquarium, they placed a northern pike thing was about 18 inches, two foot long. On one side of the tank, they put a glass barrier down in the water. You couldn't see that. It's transparent. On the other side, they put a couple of dozen minnows. Now, after this pike had stretched itself out lazily on the bottom of this aquarium for a couple of days, he got hungry. And the, the little minnows, not seeing the danger, 
uh, of the pike over there. They were just swimming at random. The pike made a large, I say a large, a fast lunge. Well, what did he do? He hit the glass. He bounced back. The men are scurried over to the other side and nestled in the corner up against each other, feeling some security there. They stayed there for a long time. He watched them. When they swam out and got close to the glass, he made another lunge. He hit it. See, he can't get through. They ran back to the other side. After a while, they, they swam out. A little braver now. They're, they're getting the message, he can't get me. But you see, while they're getting the message, he can't get me. He's getting the message, I can't get him. But he tries desperately, and the hunger inside of him drives him. And, and it's there, and it drives him. This is the reason why that a lot of Christians who regard iniquity in their heart and elements of the world become so confused because inside of them there's a question, there's a drive for, for productivity. They want the honor of God and they want the blessings of God. But the harder they lunge, the more disappointed they are. And you can't get through that invisible barrier. to the blessings on the other side. Because God has put a shield up there and He said, look, I'll not let you be blessed of myself because that's not the principle by which we operate. Now, what happened, however, <clears throat> in this little experiment, after four or five days of trying to get through the invisible glass, the northern pike just gave up. The man who was conducting the experiment saw that he was not trying anymore. He went and pulled out the invisible barrier. And there was a separation there for a couple of days. And then all of a sudden, the menace swam closer and closer and closer to the pike. After a while, they were rubbing and resting themselves at night against the pike. Pike never opened his mouth. In his own mind, he was telling I can't get to him. I've tried and tried and tried, and I just can't. There's no need. I just can't do it. And you see, this is what happens a lot of times to Christians. You see, that's what James is explaining. He says, two reasons why you don't get. Number one, when you ask evilly, and secondly, when you don't ask at all, or you don't ask with faith. In other words, you tried, and you tried, and you tried, and you tried, and you tried. Then all of a sudden, you just gave up. And you may have stopped sinning and all the other things that cause barriers. But you see, what's happened, he said... Even though the invisible shield has been lifted, it was invisible, and you don't understand that just right at your fingertips, the blessings of God are there, but now you won't have faith for them. Why? Because you tried too long, and you couldn't get them. So then you quit trying. And this is the reason why that some people, 
even after they make their, 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 their run to the altar. They've been living for the Lord for a long time. They make their run to the altar and they say, God, oh God, oh God, please forgive me. I mean, they poured all out. Prostrate before the Lord, they've stretched themselves. Tears flow. But after the Lord forgives them and such, because that while they were yet in the world, or they were doing the things of the world, they kept praying and praying and praying. They kind of developed this attitude. Well, God is so abstract and He's so far in the distance. And I, I don't really know that God's ever answered a prayer for me. Now they're whitewashed inside. They're clean. They're pure. You couldn't touch their character at all. But they see no miracles. Even though the invisible barrier has been taken out. And the blessings of God are all around them. And while people are receiving those blessings, they won't reach out and say, God, with faith I'm saying, God, let me have one of those blessings. Why? Because they gave up not really understanding the principle of God. And isn't it the nature of the, the devil that we talked to you about the other night? He's the accuser of the brethren. And sometimes the devil can make you feel so unworthy of anything. Well, we're all unprofitable servants at the most. But you see, justification simply means that, that when the Lord forgives you, He made you just as if you had never sinned. Now, if you want to find out what God wanted to do for those who are justified... Then you go back to the early chapters of the book of Genesis and take a look at Adam and Eve before they sinned. What did the Lord do for them? He put them in a well-watered garden. A garden, a vineyard. Did you know in the Bible, when the Bible speaks of the blessing of the Lord, read Malachi 3. When it speaks of the blessing of God, it always goes back to the vineyard. When Israel was to cross over the Jordan River and to go into Canaan's land, when the ten spies returned back and said, Oh, he said, they're giants or we can't take it. Joshua and Caleb came back and they had the fruit of the vineyard was so big that they had a stave on their shoulders and a cluster of grapes dragging the ground. So look what we found over there. And the vineyard is a symbol of the blessings of God. And you go back to the Garden of Eden if you want to find out how the justified should be blessed of the Lord. And that's what Paul was saying when he says... I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And I'm here to tell you, brother, it doesn't make any difference what crisis you're in right now. If you'll just be honest and sincere before God, and if you'll ask of God believing in Him, it doesn't make any difference how difficult it may seem. I'm here to tell you, according to the 
of the authority vested in me as a minister of the gospel and the good word of the Lord from which I preach to you tonight, God will hear your prayer and God will come and assist you. I want you to stand right now if you would. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. First John 4, verse 4. I'd for our sister Grant to come to the organ and she would. Thank you. <laughs> the aerobics making her slim. <laughs> Let's get serious. We're about to spoil this, okay? <laughs> you know what? I sure like to serve the Lord. Isn't it great? Yeah. It really is. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Oh, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, God. Listen to this. 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. You know, the devil's not omnipresent. In fact, angels are not omnipresent. In other words, angels can't be always, everywhere, at all times. The one angel can't be. Only God is omnipresent. Only God can declare that if you go to the mountaintop, I'll be there. And if you go to the sea bottom, I'll be there. Only God can declare that. Only God speaking through Jesus Christ could say, Lord, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Only God. Not the devil. See, Daniel prayed for 21 days one time, and the heavens were shut up like brass. And the angel of the Lord one time began to talk to him after he had prayed for 20 and 1 days, the scripture says. He was down with his hands flat on the ground and, and, his, and his knees were on the ground. And the angel of the Lord came up and tapped him on the shoulder and said, Daniel. Daniel says, where are you? He said, I'm right here. Oh. I thought you'd forget about me. He said, no, I'll tell you what. He said, you know, I really heard you. When you first prayed. But he said the problem. He said the prince of Persia. Withstood me. Now if I. I if, if I understand. My theology straight in this. What he's saying was that. There were hindering spirits. There's certain devils. That seem to be appointed over certain areas. 
But he said, the problem was, he said, you know, I couldn't get through. But you see, we, we've got so many angels and everything in the spirit world that it, what happened was the, the Lord sent down Michael. And a whole host of angels went down prevailed against the prince of Persia and the kings of Persia and let me through. So here I am with your answer. We, we really heard you when you first prayed. And, and you see, the devil's not omnipresent. And for every bad angel, there, there are two good ones according to the scripture. At least I feel that way. Now what does that mean? You see, the devil may come around sometimes and he may, he may temporarily then hinder you and say, Oh, no, you, you can't have this. And you try to believe God when the devil's on your back. It's difficult. Because he may, makes you feel a million miles away from God. And you see, there are many spirits in the world and sometimes you're just trying your best to have faith in God. You're doing everything you know to do, but they're hindering spirits. And the devil's telling you in one ear you're not worthy, and in the other ear he's telling you nothing but a low-down, sorry rat. And you're just trying your best to gain your composure and not feel guilty because, you see, you wear this robe of human flesh that's not yet redeemed. But you see... Because that the devil's not omnipresent, he cannot be with you always. Now, you can give yourself over the devil to the point you become possessed, and the devil that's on your back will be with you all the time. But you see, what happens is, while the devil's on my back, and I'm praying, Oh, God, just give me faith. Help me, Lord Jesus. I... I want to persevere in this situation. I, I want to believe you, God, but I'm having problems with myself and I, I'm fasting and seeking your face, Lord. And Well, you see, all of a sudden, somebody else over here who doesn't have the devil on their back, they get red hot on fire and the blessings of the Lord fall on them and the devil that's on me says, well, I believe I'll leave him alone. I'll go to them. And then all of a sudden, you wake up in the morning and you feel like the devil's off your back. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you? Sure. You feel like you can conquer the world. That's what he's saying. Believe not every spirit. But try the spirit. Verse 4 of chapter 4 says, And you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Them what? The spirits of the world. Why were you able to overcome them? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You see, we've got Jesus Christ that's omnipresent with us always. He promised to go with us. He was called a comfort in the Scripture. That simply means He goes alongside and He offers assistance when you have need. When you're weak, He becomes your strength. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Oh, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And 
I'm here to tell you tonight there's enough faith in the hearts of believers here tonight to pray the devils out of this place. And right now I would like to charge each of you to bind the evil spirits. Right now we take dominion over every evil spirit in this place to bring a total victory for any person here tonight who is desiring a touch of the Master. I take charge over every evil spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Young person, you can have what you've been praying for. Saint of God, you can get what you need in the Lord. You can have it, you can have it, you can have it, you can have it. Why can I have it, Brother Grant? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I'm, I'm going to ask right now all of you who have been praying for some time and you feel that you just can't get an answer. I'm just going to ask you to step out and come and just stand all across here. And I want you to kneel and pray, but just I feel tonight that we have some that would like to just come. You really need that victory. You want that victory. You've been praying for that victory. You've been seeking God for that victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now let me just speak to you now before I ask you not to kneel. It's all right, just stay down. I didn't make myself clear here. Now, you see, your salvation is really never any greater than the faith that you manifest in God. Now this is what the scripture says, And whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Let's say faith together. Faith. Let's say it again. Faith. Greater is he that's in me. Let's say it together. Me. Got the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I can do all things. Let's sit together. All things through Christ. Let's sit together. Christ. His name is Jesus. Let's say Jesus together. Jesus. Let's say it again. Jesus. Let's say it again. Jesus. Let's say it again. Jesus. Now you see, you can't really make God do anything. You really can't. But you know what? If you will submit to Him, you can let Him do anything that needs to be done. See, sometimes people try too hard. And God wants you to just give up and let it happen. That's really what He wants. 
So we, it may seem like we're toning this thing down. But I, I think I know a little bit about productivity in God. And while you're kneeling here, would you just say, God, I want to be honest. I want to be sincere. If I've got any sin in my life or whatever, reveal it to me. Let me repent of it. Let me get it out of the way. But God, I want to humble myself and yield myself to the point that I can let this thing happen. The disciples were all uptight and they said, Oh, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Jesus stepped out and he stretched forth his hand and he calmed the seas and peace be still. He looked at them and said, Oh, ye of little faith. And were you trying to make it happen with human muscle and strength? You can't do that. Just believe God. Hallelujah. Now we've got a good number of people here. Would others like to come? Praise God. Others like to come? Now why don't you just kneel right here? Now those who are not coming, would you come and find somebody to just encourage, lay your hands on them, create a spiritual atmosphere as much as possible. Possible, Believe God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Just reach out and touch him. Oh, hallelujah. Just reach out and touch him. Oh, Jesus is here right now to help you.